if you do this, you're more than guaranteed like get chemotherapy exactly that because we have your definitive diagnosis saying that you do have cancer it was hodgkin's lymphoma at this point it was stage four by the way it was the fucking worst of the worst welcome to the catch-up introducing your hosts eli Aruth, editor and jeffrey kutnick ceo and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright, and welcome to the catch-up. <laughs> You guys, that's the voice of our friend Food with Michael. He is a uh, Instagram food whore and celebrity uh, in the Instagram circuit, and we're gonna—he's just gonna join us today. We're gonna talk food. I want to catch up a little bit real quick, though. You guys hear about this Del Taco adding Beyond Meat? Well, oh, Michael, is this the vegan stuff? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Do you eat any of the vegan stuff? Impossible Burger, Beyond Meat. Do you eat vegan at all? I do eat vegan, but not like. Like Del Taco or like anything super commercial. Well, because it's not available commercially yet. That's oh. what's so interesting about <clears throat> Del Taco adding Beyond Meat to their menu. So the two big wigs in the plant-based meat alternative uh, industry right. are Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Right now you've seen Impossible Foods create their bleeding plant-based right. meat patty. And it's available actually at White Castle now. Uh, Fat Burger, Umami Burger is a big one. It's like the... F- uh, so Beyond Meat has been relegated to actually being sold in stores and it's sold in the meat aisle. But now for the first time ever, it's at a fast food with a drive through and it's at Del Taco. It's at a couple locations right now. Like right if we now, fucking leave to Del Taco, we, we could get some vegan fucking tacos. Right, right now. Select locations or all locations? Right now it's in two locations in L.A., you can go to foodbees.com and find out exactly where those locations are. But they've made it explicitly clear it will be going to all their locations. Eventually. Eventually. That's wild. Okay. So <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think because my first gut is I'm like, ah, like I like I like these impossible and beyond meat alternatives. But I feel the same way when I saw it at my beloved Del Taco, the way that I felt back in the day when Carl's Jr., added an all-natural burger to their menu, and it fucking hated it. I, it made me so upset. If anyone has followed my rhetoric on my writing on foodbees.com for years, that really made me upset when Carl's Jr., this thing that I ate every Friday growing up, decided to take one item, put it on the menu, say this is an all-natural, essentially better-for-you burger, and they put one that one thing on the menu and kept the rest of the menu exactly the same. How am I supposed to eat the rest of the menu now? You just told me that one thing on there is way better than the others. That's a great point. I'm not going to lie. I mean, and Eli wrote, <clears throat> but it, it, was, it was probably thing. a thousand word piece about how much he hated this decision. It's hard for me to think that you feel the exact same way with this Don't vegan movement because it feels it feels different to me. I don't know how to describe it yet in words how it's different because it seems pretty similar. But I don't know, man. It feels different to me because of the movement related specifically to alternative foods and 
and veganism. To be fair, it is different. It is different. Uh, Vegan has a lot more connotation to it than just health or not healthy. Where the all-natural burger that launched at Carl's Jr. many years ago was a very specific, like, this is a healthier version, a better for you version than the other things on our menu. So what I'm almost afraid of is that I might like this Beyond Meat taco. And then what am I going to do when fucking the chicken, they make a chicken that tastes really good. Can they make? Dude, who cares if you like it? What do you mean who cares if I like it? Who cares? Like, like, why do you, if you like it. Sure. And you're eating it and you're enjoying it. And there may be, because some scientist says it's a little bit better for you, maybe it actually is a little bit better for you. This is under the unfair assumption that it is all better for you. And yeah, maybe, I don't know. But maybe it's not. Yeah. My argument is who cares if you like it? So you replaced you replaced faux meat for meat? But like, what does that, who cares? I'm an average consumer and it's very fucking important. Here's why. White Castle, at the few locations they added impossible meat, this fake plant-based meat, those locations have do, have outsold their other locations heavily. Umami Burger, their top... This, Umami Burger is known for craft burgers. They came on the scene and made this dope restaurant where all the burgers are elevated. They put an impossible meat patty on it. That's the top-selling thing at Umami Burger. I don't have stock in either of these companies, and I don't give a shit whether they succeed or not. But I think it's, I can't turn a blind eye into like, dude, as a restaurateur, if I'm putting something on the menu and that like is this brand that I'm putting on and now all of a sudden my sales are better. Like, can we, that's, that's wild. But I think, but my point is it's wild for the restaurants, but the consumer, as as, as the crazy thing is they have something that's comparable that you can replace it and you don't care. Like you will order it unless it's absurdly overpriced. If sure. they can't, if they can't get the Beyond Meat to be the dollar twenty nine Del Taco, whatever, then yeah, people aren't gonna buy it. But if they can, and there's a subtle health benefit, that's where like I'm excited because I eat turkey Del Tacos. I don't know mm-hmm. anyone else on the planet <laughs> that yeah, orders turkey, turkey Del, Del Taco, Taco, but I do because there's that. Light part in the back of my brain that's trying to cut down red meat, mm-hmm. and I just go, "Oh, I'm gonna go turkey." If they had Beyond Meat, I'd probably go. I'd probably switch the turkey out from what I order to Beyond Meat if I can't tell the difference, and if my blood pressure goes down in iota or my sodium intake goes down, which won't go down because they'll, they'll probably oversell yeah, the shit. Out of yeah, yeah, yeah. The shit out but of like, if if something has Again, I don't think I'll measure it closely enough to where I'll know it's affecting me, but it'll affect my positive mindset on the day because I'm like, oh, I didn't have red meat today. That's kind of good based on where I'm trying to live. Yeah. And that's that's how I feel. And again, I'm not I'm not a full blown vegan. I also I'm not a full blown like eat meat every single day. So for me, these little limpins with these companies are pretty interesting because they're attracting me. Like, all right, dude, if I could eat Del Taco every day, I would eat it every day. I love it. I, I love it so much. I love it too, and that's why they can't fuck this up. Sure. Because here, here's here's one thing I will say. Right now, I'm Team Impossible. But I think the reason why I'm Team Impossible is because I've had dope chefs and restaurants make stuff 
that I am not as good at making. So when I made Beyond Burger at home, I tried to do it as best I could, and I didn't like it as much as what I was getting chef. with the Impossible Burger that I had at a craft burger spot in the Bay Area. So right now, I'm like, I'm really curious because if Del Taco can prepare it in a way that is delicious, I'm in. But if it tastes 10% worse than turkey or I'm beef, not there yet. I'm not, I'm yeah. not there. And I haven't tried it yet. So this is just all on hearsay. LA is a far cry from Orange County. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't want to try it that I was bad. like, fuck. Yeah. I got to try some vegan tacos. And what if it tastes like shit? Then I said, fuck. <laughs> I'm out here for nothing. Jeez. I have no problem with vegan food. I can't say I've eaten like umami's burgers and stuff like that. Um, they're vegan stuff. So whenever I eat vegan, it's more like just random mom and pop shops that I just like see. And I'm just like, oh, well, why not? Yeah. Try something new. But as far as that goes, that sounds interesting. Is it just one item that they're having? They Right now, they're only advertising these tacos, okay. hard shell tacos, but they're crumbles. So that they're using the Beyond Meat crumbles, which they sell in store as well. I've actually tried them and I hated them. I tried the crumbles mm-hmm. at my house. I like the Beyond Meat patties. They're definitely not as good as the Impossible ones. And that could be I just didn't. I'm not a chef and I can't prepare it as well as I've had it before. But the Beyond Meat crumbles were ass. That's okay. so far. They've been at So I'm hoping that Del Taco has dope spices that I've become familiar with over the years. And they that put that. They're just going to put it in the meat. Yeah. And then cool. But yeah, this, I, is, this is a new thing. Because I think it's interesting new. because they just released like another thing at Del Taco. The they shredded sh- beef. Shredded beef in the and same like, week. the same week. Like what is that about? It's terrible Yo, marketing. Way to arbitrage your own news cycle. <laughs> I'm saying it's so confusing. Yeah, because I was like, wait, I thought that's what you were talking about, but I was like, oh wait, they have a vegan see. thing now? I have a soft spot in my heart for Del Taco. I love them so much. I grew up on it. I but sometimes a- I'm just like, come on. Like you're, they're the they're the brand that's going to have me for life just because the food's so good. Okay. Like I can't say yes or no, whatever to the marketing. Like I just never, I don't pay attention to it, but it's just, it's so good that but when i saw that i was like you're gonna announce that you have vegan tacos game changing in the fast food world in the same news cycle you're gonna talk about the same i think they want to incorporate like both audience like oh the vegans and now we got the meat eaters in the same breath of innovation We're going to unveil something that every taco shop has had for their entire existence. Hopefully they don't mix it up. I was confused Well, supposedly it hadn't been available since like 2011, the shredded beef. So I was like, oh, and they're reintroducing it like as if it's going to vamp their sales. I don't understand what that was about. I don't know, man. Chicken soft taco is good at Del Taco. I just get the big fat steak taco. That's just me. I don't know. That's all I get. Uh, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about this new thing because I wanted to know if you guys were impassioned and riled up about this these vegan options hitting the menu and basically like raising the sales of these thing uh, of their entire menu and there's locations like white castle we're writing an article right now about how fundamentally it has been changing their business like putting it on the menu it's bringing people that are kind of in the middle ground going to their spots i wonder what it's gonna i'm curious what happens at del taco i mean they're going full bore they are putting it on all their menus so i'm curious we'll see what happens I think it's different, though, when it's only available at, what, two locations as opposed to all. Well, they're, they're planning on rolling it yeah. out. But I, do, doing... I really want to try it. I'm yeah, curious to see what that tastes like. Me too. I'm not curious enough to drive to L.A., yeah, but I'm... I, yeah, I would never fucking Oh, man, when it. it's at the drive-thru near my house, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> um, we got a sponsor this week, y'all. Who's the sponsor? Yeah. Oh, we got a sponsor Is it this Arrowhead? Week. 
Nope, it's not Arrowhead. Come through, Arrowhead. Yo, but Arrowhead, talk to us whenever you want. Hey, but holler. Holler. Advertising at foobies.com. We see you, bro. We Jeff and to... I check it every day. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, it's actually a beautiful new website called shop.foodbeast.com. Yo, our merch game is fire. It's tight, dog. I actually, okay, so uh, knowing that we had this podcast, I made a little discount code called the catch-up, quote-unquote, the Catch up, K A T C H U P. Is it cute and clever like T H D A or is it T H? No, no, no. It's not cute the, and clever. It's okay. straight. Just so you guys get it right, the, the catch up. You go to so shop. Make sure you spell it out for your freaking. Don't confuse our audience, Michael. This is the first. first I'm trying time. to make it clear for everybody. We're having this a plug here. This is the here. first time we've ever plugged something on the podcast, and you the are catch up, guys. T H E catch up. Y'all know how catch up. Don't worry about it. I want to do this right. <laughs> Okay, but it's cool because we, we soft-launched our merch store this week, and I have a lot of favorite pieces in it. I actually spent some time last night shopping. <laughs> I bought this. We have one called a Pizza Slayer shirt, and it's like a Slayer band flip, and oh, it's a okay. but That's it's not like what food I thought. Beast on it. I thought What'd it was going to be like a ben- Buffy the Vampire Slayer like shit. What the fuck no, it's pizza? definitely a pizza pentagram. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely yeah. what this shirt is. If you love food... And want to worship the devil in an ironic way. That's, That's where the you, way you to should do go it. to shop.foodbeast.com with the code the ketchup. <laughs> the ketchup. Michael, there it is. It's, there it is. I appreciate it. That code yeah. will get you 20% off. I did not tell Rudy and the design team that I made this code. They're just trying. I just feel like if you listen to this podcast, we really appreciate you. And it'd be weird if you guys didn't have Food Beast merch. Uh, my other favorite one that I bought in every colorway is the Food Beast Athletics sweatshirt. That's I, cute. I get mad looks in the gym, dog. Mad looks like, in the gym. Like, what are you wearing or what are you wearing? It, imagine wearing something. <laughs> no, no one. I don't get hit on at the gym, unfortunately. <laughs> I actually don't even like when people talk to me at the gym. Okay. I mean, respect if you do see me, but uh anyways when you wear something that says food beast athletics and you're at the gym people just have questions naturally like what the hell are you what doing? is that so, especially when you're skinny fat like eli and yeah. i like we do <laughs> skinny we, fat we do like just enough you know to, to maintain, maintain our non-toneness <laughs> <laughs> non-toneness dude i get that question all the time how, how are you not fat well i don't i'm not skinny <laughs> i'm not fit i just do yeah. enough we, we do, enough. do enough to get by <laughs> we do enough. for the next food adventure i'm just trying to get through all these awesome media dinners we do you guys to go not to. have phone cases uh, they're coming, man. Oh, they're I told coming. you it was a soft launch. Okay, let me know when that phone. <laughs> we got tote bags. Send me a fucking box, spice small, and then you know we not. We're I'll gonna get you some fire, okay, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get you some fire. But none of that Slayer shit. I don't fucking want to worship <laughs> the devil. <laughs> you worship pizza. It's not yeah. the devil. Just okay, to, just to right. be clear. Okay. Uh, Jeff, what's your favorite piece? Have you 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 got some few? Well, I, I'm a pun guy, mm. so I haven't. I have a new excellent. Oh, you would like that one. You would like that one. I'm pretty stoked on. I like the crummy day tea. It's this really pissed off character. He's like a chocolate chip cookie. Instead of a bottle of beer, he's holding a a carton of milk. (laughs) That's cute. Abusing milk. I don't know. I like it. Anyways, guys, uh, this is our little plug for the week. Shop.foodbeast.com. Enjoy it. Use the code THECATCHUP on checkout. You get 20% off whatever you want in that store. You can at Rude Love if you buy something that's funny. <laughs> uh, he's the guy who who led with with Chris and Sam on our team and designing all these really awesome pieces of gear. So 
if you fuck with food beasts, if you enjoy fun food merchandise, because that's the only stuff I wear nowadays is just food, clothing. I think that's the only thing that stands the test of time. Just me. Anyway, <laughs> plug, guys. This is smooth. Yeah. I feel like it's a smooth first plug. That's crazy. I don't, know better. Smooth, oh, yeah. I don't know smooth. I think it's an entertaining plug. I yeah. think it went really yeah. long. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I really think. Yeah, that's for sure. Right, maybe like, we'll the skip the other stuff. stuff. <laughs> we go. We'll just jump. I mean, we have at Food with Michael on yeah. the podcast. Hello, everybody. I don't want to We have Let's at Food with Michael, <laughs> which mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the regular and daily fire from that instagram account it's are you gonna cry michael i'm going to cry look at all these nice words that jeff is saying about me and we're not even in his bedroom that's the interesting part (laughs) i'm just gonna start a counter of sexual references one one yeah yeah that's one for the podcast i'm just gonna leave some tick marks i'm gonna do some check marks here um but i think they're they're probably at least to my knowledge and you've probably done stuff that i haven't seen but yeah i haven't true. i haven't witnessed an interview or a podcast with you and i just know you personally so i was really excited to bring you on because we know the larger story at least some of it of kind of pre-instagram but then you've experienced what the last six years or five six years of Instagram, its changes, building an audience, building a business, all yeah. those things. So I think we should get into it, man. Because You're a I- food Instagrammer. You're the food Instagrammer. And I'm going to, I got to say, one of the first times I hung out with you really changed how I take pictures of food and how I saw food get styled. So I thought being a food Instagrammer, you just take pictures of food. Like someone throws a plate out, take the fuck picture of food, it goes up. When I was hanging out with you, we were eating halal guys, and I went to take a picture of food, and you asked me what the hell I was doing. Because <laughs> I was like, are you sure you own Food Beast? The fuck? Get the fuck out of here. That's, you hey, fucking I, suck. Boo. The other, the other way, too, I was like, man, motherfucker, I own Food Beast. Like, this is, I'm taking this picture of food. How dare you tell me how to take it? And then you rolled out this white tablecloth. <laughs> I remember those days. Outdoors, yeah. in front of a stoop, like there's no tables. You rolled out a white tablecloth onto the ground. You put on your tray of halal guys. There was fries. You took out all the fries from the dish and put them on the side yeah, and I then reinserted <laughs> them one by one. Yeah. Is so, that how you got to 250,000 followers? Is that? First of all, it's 259, but who's counting, really? <laughs> you are. Um, <laughs> apparently, daily counting. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it. I think there's a big misconception on how, I guess, food Instagrammers and, and bloggers work. I think it's interesting that people just think, yeah, in this case, they give us food and then do your thing. But it's like, no, like when it's not presented right, it just doesn't photograph well. And I know what will work for my audience and what won't work. And when I see that there's certain things like of a burger or in this case, halal guys, I'm like, mm. like for halal guys, I would actually tell them, and I know this sounds terrible, but I would tell them like, can you just separate everything? And I will just plate it myself. Like I'll tell them, give me the rice separate, give me the fucking lettuce separate. I need the tomatoes in another box. Like I need that little falafel shit in another box. Like <laughs> I need everything separate. And then I would literally sit there in halal guys like a fucking madman and like fucking pieces together like I'm dissecting something. I thought you were mad. I thought you were crazy. Yeah. And- but it changed. I had never seen anyone give Instagram that treatment. 
in the way that made it seem natural. Because people used to food styled for years. That's not new. Taking care of your food framing is not new. But it was always relegated to people creating stuff for Pinterest or creating recipes. And they set the scene, a few strewn strawberries here and there uh, when they're making a pie. It was it was for TV. It was for magazines. Right. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't in more of an organic setting. And I think... People, when they came to your account, had no idea you were styling it. They yeah. just knew they instantly liked it, and they hit double tap, and they were like, I want more of this, so hit And the I was enjoying button. those double taps. Trust me on that. Trust. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fucking two. add the counter to that shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, here we go. Yep, that's two. That's two. Uh, yeah, but I think um, it, took, it took a while. I mean, like, I didn't, like... You know, when I got food in the beginning, of course, I just took the photo of the food. I didn't know any better. But as time went on, like, I kind of would see, like especially when it was like certain like burritos especially that was a big like when they cut it in half mm. and it would just be like this glopping mess a lot of the times and a lot of times when i would tell people to make burritos like don't add sauce can you keep like a good chunk of everything separate like you can see the beef you can see the veggies you can see whatever and when you cut it that way it cuts clean and you can see everything and that's why i always tell people like just don't add sauce like it just makes things sloppy and I can't see anything. And I think for me, when I take a photo of food, I always like to see like layers and different dimensions. And in this case for halal guys, like there's certain aesthetics that I would do on how to make the food presentable because like, you know, they have lettuce and stuff like that, but I would never add the lettuce and like they have jalapenos and I would mm. never add that side to side because they're both the same color sure. basically. So I'd always try to at least separate with like tomatoes or something else in between and then add the jalapenos because it would add a different like basically a pinwheel of different colors so you could see it all i love that because at that moment i realized we're not doing this for us like if we were do if we were taking pictures of food for us we would just fucking eat it and be over with right so like that's where i felt after that i went home and styled my food like the next meal i had i styled it and the engagement on my personal page went up and I was like, damn, all I did was I did cheat it. It felt like cheating. Right. And when I first saw you do it, I was like, this dude is cheating. This dude, this isn't yeah, what the restaurant serves. If you see served. halal, guys, the yeah. way it's actually served, it does not look like how I probably present it, which is, you know, a it's, little dubious, but it is what it is. It's how I present my food to look. Well, you're you telling know? a story, right. which is cool. And that's why I've, I've, I don't give a shit anymore. Like, if I'm going to go tell a story about food, as long as the food didn't taste like ass, I don't feel one way or another about how I presented it. I just want people to see clearly what every ingredient was. And I learned that from you seeing you do that the first time. How would you explain your style? Because I feel like that also set you apart early. Is you yeah. actually had a style. You had a personality to your food. You weren't regramming anyone else. Yeah, that was. I think that was the biggest challenge because I feel like when people regram, that's a huge way to gain like traction and following and people see it all the time, especially when you're regramming, you can regram like limitless options. You have a lot of accounts you can just like pull from and be like, oh, credit to Food Beast or credit to blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, this is where I got the photo from. But for me, the reason I think I probably was a little different from everybody else, I think everyone else had their food more like gluttonous and like, I guess a little over the top and in terms of saucing is for me like it was more like aesthetically pleasing and it had more of an elegant appeal to it and I think that's why I had a separation from everybody else so I definitely try to strive for that because I was like I need to separate myself and especially in the beginning when I had my stupid white fucking tablecloth that I brought everywhere <laughs> with me like that helped separate me from everyone else too is that oh he 
like everyone heard the story like oh wow did you really carry like i really did i carried this fucking tablecloth everywhere i went i left it in my trunk all the time and when i need to take a photo shoot i just grab it out and just lay it out and just put my food on when it. which you- is which is insanely smart and i think that you know we are we're both in orange county so the influencer circles at least from a local perspective we're both heavily involved in and you would hear the rumblings the rumor the stigma attached to like who is this guy and especially because the influencer especially as it related to food was not a verifiable thing yet wasn't wasn't a pop culture standout hey this i can do this and potentially even earn a living off this lifestyle it was fringe hobby like it was we were lucky because we had a dot com and we had a publication so we had some of this respect kind of coming into our shoots versus you know i feel like what i imagine the conversations would happen restaurateurs pr people fellow influencers is who's this guy coming with a stepladder or an iphone (laughs) and a white tablecloth to do and spending two hours on this single photo that he's doing, like, who is this guy? But, man, what a personal brand and an impression that that leaves because no one else is doing it like that. Well, that's why you have hundreds of thousands of followers and other foodies don't. Like, I think that's the big... You found your brand, and I think we're seeing a lot of people in the food space right now just trying to find a brand and find a voice. And when I put out the call on Instagram for people to just ask questions... Yo, Michael's coming on, ask questions. And the question that I get asked a lot is like, what should my brand be? That's a difficult question. Because I feel like now it's super difficult because it's slowly getting super saturated. There is everyone in the mother is becoming a food Instagram or blogger, whatever you call it. And whether it's to make money or just get free food or whatever, I feel like there is a little bit of too many people. But I think the brand part is a good question based on you really need to, at this point, separate yourself from everyone out there because there's so many food bloggers and it depends on what you want to be do you want to be a food account that reposts everyone there's people that repost videos and photos or you can create your own content and if you do create content you have to be obviously consistent and post things and if you want to be a dessert account or like just like there's now tacos account and all cheese accounts and stuff like that so i guess it's in a sense you got to find your own niche and figure out okay what exactly do you want to do and if you want to be a food adventure you can't make some like name up that's very like blase and like i think you have to make your name like really cool and stand out and for me i chose mine to have my name included but if you want to be a personal um food blogger at that point or do you want to be more known as a who's who exactly is food beast like everyone knows the food name food beast but is there a person behind it so you mm-hmm. do want to be one of those accounts as well so i think that's a very good question how yeah. much and sorry but how much would you say you wanted to position the account as elegant because that was a part of you and your personality because i understand that 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 question is vague you know, how do I make my own brand when you don't know who the person is? But at least for you, how much of yourself is inserted into the aesthetics of Food With Michael, the Instagram account, especially as that's also evolved over years, right? Because again, I knew knew you from the white tablecloth days and that's where I first met you. And that was something that was 
branded in my brain that this guy does something different that's shifted things have happened so how much of you is the account because i think that's something that people can learn from mm-hmm. um I, th- I mean there's definitely a lot of it i think in with the, my account that involves me just because like if you look at my account like it is hugely dessert based so a lot of it i want to say is like 75 percent is like dessert based so i do post a lot of dessert and i like desserts and i like more of the cuter things like things that you would not normally see on i guess a food account because food i feel like it's more like burgers and tacos and that's fine and that's i guess your guys's nation you guys have more gluttonous foods for me it's like well i kind of like the pretty ice cream with all these sprinkles or all there was one in like korea where i went and i got this ice cream that stood like i don't know like 10 feet tall it was really tall and like but it looks so pretty and i was like that's my kind of styles that I kind of found what I liked and I really, I guess, pushed it out there and really kind of like stuck with that versus like, oh, I could have just kept posting tacos or burgers or, you know, whatever else. But I really just like desserts and I think desserts really appeal to me because it's very cutesy and that's just kind of been my thing. How did you start even, when was the first time you took a picture of food? Like, like, why? Why did you even start? I think that's a when I part. took pictures of food is when I was actually still on Facebook, which I have a Facebook technically, but I don't use it. I I barely like the last time I logged into Facebook, my own personal Facebook was literally nine months ago, like a long time ago, and I haven't touched it. And then the only reason why I have it is because in order for you to have a fan page, you have to have a Facebook. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I gotta make an account, but. So that was you. when the last time I took a photo was when I had an active personal Facebook and I would just post things on there. And then I think from that moment, I was like, I don't think Facebook is the right platform to continuously like share a photo because, you know, I would share a photo like practically at that time I was doing it twice a day. So I would upload like foods that I would eat like twice a day, like lunch and dinner or whatever. And it just became like, I became that one annoying guy <laughs> that would fucking update every fucking like two seconds. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is the right platform. That's when Instagram just like kind of got a little traction. People started talking about it and like, maybe you should create an Instagram. And at the longest time, which is ironic, I was very anti-Instagram. I was like, you know, I don't like, that's another platform. I don't want to deal with it. But then that's when I was like, you know what? This is probably more the platform for me to share photos. And I was like, okay. So when I got my own Instagram, I was just posting random photos and then eventually it became food and it became to a point where I would look at my, I think the pinnacle moment that I realized that this is probably what is better for me is when I would look at my feed, I mean, there's photos of me, my dog, whatever, like I took a photo of, but then in between that there was food, but I would notice the food ones would do so well. And I was like, dang, these food ones are doing so good. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with food for like three months, whatever happens you know cool and like ever since then it's literally changed my life and kind of been like on this trajectory since but what were you doing like you yeah, said you were posting cha- how did it change your life and what were you doing before i think what was it i was <laughs> at the time i was going to school um just random community colleges and i was trying to go to dental hygiene and do you I like re- teeth no, but it was easy money. It was like you make. That's what you heard, right? You heard that being a dental hygienist. Yeah, is... you make a lot of money for just cleaning teeth all day. Sure. So that was like my biggest thing was like, I was like, well, that's a lot of money that I can make in like as a short amount of time frame, and you know, not requiring that much education. You literally just need like a bachelor's, or some don't even need a bachelor's. You can just get an associates, and you'll be fine. You can get an associates and be a dental hygienist. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you you're like, all right, this is my path right now. I'm going to be a dental hygienist. Yeah, but you know. 
School's, let me just say this, school's not for everyone. School's fucking hard. I fucking hate school. And to this day, I think about like, people always ask me, would you go back to school? I'm like, fuck no, that shit was fucking hard and annoying. I fucking hated school. Waking up, finding parking, the fuck? So, you know, I think the biggest- <laughs> The hardest part of school. <laughs> it those, is, everyone is parking things, sucks. Specifically. <laughs> Especially here in California, yeah, parking I, sucks. Yeah, parking sucks, yeah. Anyways, so I was going to school and at the time I was, um, I wasn't really doing Instagram. I was- just at the time, Facebook. You, at this you case. thought you were doing social media. Yeah, at this case. So eventually, I was going to school, and then I went to a private school in Anaheim for dental hygiene. And dental hygiene is kind of a fickle thing, where it's kind of those you have to apply and then get accepted. But this private school is like accepting people like left and right. Like you know, if you have the money, basically come on through. Because private school is for profit. So I was like, okay, and I threw my money at them and well, student loans. Um, but I applied and I got in. And that's when, that's when slowly at that moment when I was in school, like, I think I was at like, and this was Instagram, I was like at 10,000 or 15,000 followers. And I was like, oh, this is kind of, and this, no, I don't think you guys were even like really blown up as obviously you guys are now, but you guys are around. And I think this was like, God, what is this? 2000, (laughs) 2012, I think, 2013. So I was just kind of like, okay, like, I'm just gonna see what's gonna happen. But I was still going to school, still doing my thing. And then like, I got really sick at one point. Like I had, I was really bad. Oh no. And um, I was just like, you know, can I do this? Can I get through this? And so at the same time, I didn't know what it was because I just had this weird lump I don't know if you guys can see it. There's like an incision. Or is it on this side? I don't know. It's I can't little, see anything. It's a light. It's where the, the neck creases. Mm-hmm. It's where the neck creases. I can't honestly. I can't see. So I honestly can't see was, anything. Which is great. Yeah. The, well, there's. I don't remember exactly. I don't know why I don't remember. I think it's on my right side. There's like a, a, a incision. But there was a big lump on my neck. Well, it, first of all, let me just say this. It was like like a dime size. But you could feel it. And the funny and ironic part is, and this is something that, all dentists and dental hygienists should be doing if you guys are getting your cleaning is they should be checking your lymph nodes and making sure that you don't have any weird lumps um, and making sure you don't have any weird lumps. But I, we did a routine like we were, you know, working on each other in school at dental hygiene and she felt something and she's like, you know, hey, you have something here. And I was like, oh shit. And I thought she was kidding, but you know, I could feel it. And if it's not on both sides, it's a weird thing. So I was like, oh, that's weird. It's definitely not on both sides. So, you know, we brought, like, at the time, we have dentists or doctors that are there, and they're like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you do have something. You should go check your doctor. So I was like, okay. And at the same time, you know, I was busy with school, so I was kind of like, oh, you know. And it slowly became, like, bigger and bigger. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, shit. So then I really went to school, uh, to a doctor. I went to my doctor, and, and he did a biopsy. But he did, uh, I guess, a preliminary biopsy. I don't know how that works, but he basically did a check and he's like you know it's there's nothing we're inconclusive so he's like we know we have to put you under and at this time it was like the size of a golf ball sticking on my neck and it was like it was this was in a period of like four months and it like kind of grew out and i was like okay so i had to make an appointment i scheduled that appointment then he did like an incision and he basically needed tissue sample so i you know it was the most agonizing two weeks ever at this point so at this point though there's something that it visibly looks yeah. like a golf ball on your neck. So if you look straight at me, you can see this like weird like. Oh wow! Yeah, it was like, like honestly, it was like, yeah, it was probably getting golf ball. Eventually, like maybe eventually baseball. It was pretty crazy how rapid this was, and so obviously not a good thing. And this, like I said, eventually at that point was like month six that I went in to get that surgery, and so he's like, yeah, you know, you have cancer. 
And I was like, holy shit. Oh. Like, it was kind of crazy. And I was just like, oh, okay. So then, and then this was when I was in school. I was like, fuck. Like, at the time, we were just doing injections. So I had like a, a good year and two months to like finish school. And I was like, fuck, like, what do I do? And I was in a financial situation where I think I, I put my school first, which probably not the smartest decision, but I put school first because I was like, I kind of want to make it and obviously be financially successful and all that stuff. So I was like, you know, I want to continue school. I got I to gotta do this. So eventually it became too hard on me that I was like, you know, I, I can't keep going doing back all these tests. And eventually, like, I fucking failed out of school because it was so fucking hard to do both. So... You know, when I put school on the back burner, they were like, you know, what do you want to do? Like, these are your options. So basically, I had to go through chemotherapy. And then they were like, then after that, they want to do radiation to just like localize. Because when radiation happens, I guess it's just one specific spot. So they're like, we want to do that right after. So I was like, all right. So then it's, it's a weird thing, too, because when you don't have insurance and when you have this, and it's just a weird like mix up with the government and how you get treated. So luckily, I was approved for Thank God, however reason, I got approved, but I got approved for chemotherapy. I went through chemotherapy. I remember the first two weeks, they kind of wanted to do, like, what they call an emergency, like, session where you would just go straight in. So I kind of had to basically go to the ER and say I had these, you know, symptoms so that way I could get treatment, like, on the spot. Because technically, I was going to get treatment, but it would have been a month later. And they're like, no, we want to get, obviously, this giant baseball is on your side of your neck we want to get that treated asap so like this is the best way for you to get your chemotherapy and i was like all right so i just to put a scene on in the er exactly that's crazy yeah so they're like you know if you do this you're more than guaranteed like get chemotherapy exactly that because we have your definitive diagnosis saying that you do have cancer it was hodgkin's lymphoma at this point it was stage four by the way it was the fucking worst of the worst and that's four of four right yes oh my so yeah so they're like you know you should you know, do this so you can get chemotherapy. So I did that. I was, I've never been in the hospital, by the way. I've never broken a bone, never fallen off, like whatever, never gotten a car accident. So being in the hospital sucks ass. Like I can't, I really can't imagine those kids that are at children chalk that are sitting there, like, you know, for the rest of their life practically. Um, but I was in there for two weeks. It was the most agonizing two weeks, but I was under like chemotherapy. I have like all these photos of me losing my hair. And that, by the way, losing your hair happens so fast. I thought I would at least like get a good week (laughs) of photos. Like, oh, I'd be cute. I get photos. Oh my God. You're thinking about your gram at this point. You're like, okay, listen. I want to get some good photos in, but I couldn't even get that. So I was like, fuck. So, but yeah, I I had like, um, there's, I don't know if I can show this. There's like, um, so they make an incision, what they call a portacath. Basically, it's a tube that they can like put a needle in. That way, they don't have to go through your vein all the time. Mm. But the the tube connects to a vein in your body that they surgically have to do. But um, so instead of going through your veins all the time, because if they do that, your veins will collapse and collapse and shrink up, and you won't have like veins anymore. But I have this like um, this scar right here, and that's where it was. So that's where they put the... Now no one really actually... I've never shown this, but no one actually really knows that this is existing. But yeah, the... I feel like you're not a shirt off at the pool kind of guy. I feel like you <laughs> no, wear a, a, a one-piece no, I am, but I just, I just put a band-aid over it. Like I'm Nelly and shit, but... Um, <laughs> but I put if a your band-aid. cheek was your chest. <laughs> yeah, but that's what the decision was. So um, this was... It, it's like this tube like a plastic tube that they put in your body and it's in there for however long you're going through chemo and um so yeah i was i was in there for two weeks 
every single day because you know you're not supposed to have chemo every day it's supposed to be like every so that way your body can rest you're supposed to have it like twice a week or maybe three times a week at most um but i had it every single day and for they gave, two weeks every single yeah day. every wow. every single day so they gave me chemo through um the vein and then there's like pills that i had to take and it was like crazy and i remember like just because you know, I you know, I was in there alone. Like I didn't have anyone. So I just remember being in there and like thinking about like, oh man, this is gonna be my life. And at the time, like I didn't, you know, stage four is pretty like that's pretty it's severe. Heavy. Yeah. So I was like, I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it myself. And thank God, this um, this little lump went it went away. It went away in like four days. That fast. Wow. So the the lump was like it was like this, and then just like flattened out, and it was gone. That's incredible. So, but it was so crazy. I didn't mention this earlier. Is that the cancer was so bad that it actually spread it to my bone marrow, my lymph nodes, my liver, my stomach muscles. My it went like literally it metastasized everywhere, and that's how that's why they're saying like you should get treatment ASAP. Mm. But it went everywhere, and I even went um and did a is it called a spinal tap where they like they they like test your basically they want to see your bone marrow yeah right? and they want to see and it's it's so fucking painful, painful right exactly are you awake during yes this? and oh. they like they like jab you and like they basically it's a hollow tube it's a hollow tube and they go like this and it basically it's a they twist so they scrape the sides of your bone to like fucking like get i guess dna or whatever um samples and then they test that and at the time, they when they tested it, they said, "Oh, it hadn't spread to your bone marrow." But then they ran another test, and I'm like, "Yeah, it did." And I was like, "Oh fuck!" So it spread in my lymph nodes, my stomach muscles, my liver, I think my kidneys as well, and it was just everywhere. And you could feel it, like when you would rub like certain parts, you would feel like this weird lump. But it wasn't as big as this. Right. But you could feel it, and, and I remember it was under my arms and stuff, and it was crazy. So yeah, I went through that for for intensely for two weeks, having to, and by the way. And you guys haven't obviously done this, but when you go through chemotherapy, everything tastes like metal because you're eating all this, like, because the chemicals are running through your body. It's like toxins at this point, and it's running through your body. So everything you eat, everything you touch, it tastes like metal, and it tastes like disgusting. That's why it's so it doesn't, difficult you know, to kind of keep your weight on at that it point. It is, too, but also, um, yeah, I think you just don't have an appetite. I remember I came in at... I think at 135 pounds and I left. Like once I finished chemotherapy, I was like at 90 pounds. I was like wow. withered away. Like I, the wind could have fucking blew me away. It was fucking intense. The pictures are crazy. He act, my, he, I, he sent me pictures yeah, last night. Of me bald and with no hair. It was but there's stuff of him in the mirror like still fl- like flexing and flaunting. <laughs> <laughs> I had yo, to get with, that fucking yo, selfie work in. Work with yo. what you got. Work with what you got. Yeah, so I... I, I mean, you... So, and for people who are obviously listening to this podcast i mean full head of hair you are a beautiful human being (laughs) i would have never i i did not know this story so i would have never known that you had a stage four cancer i mean that's that's crazy but that's something that's interesting too because like i was telling Ela, like i'm not ashamed of it i have no problem talking about it and it's been on my instagram and people that have followed me since day one know so they know but like at this end of the day, like, it's not exactly dinner conversation. Not sure. like, hey, Jeff, let's go halal, guys, by the way, I have cancer. Like, what the, f- like, I can't be, like, telling you these things. Now, unless someone tells me, hey, you know, I just found out my mom had, like, you know, I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, trust me, I went through it, and it's fine. But that's only when I can bring up the conversation, because it's like, you can't exactly have, like, Denny's and be like, yo, Eli, 
guess what? <laughs> like, I can't, you know, that's not exactly dinner conversation. So, so it's definitely something I kind of tread lightly unless someone's going through it. Then so you overcame. Which yeah, it took me, God, I went through chemotherapy for nearly a year, which is so fucking agonizing. And you, well, and so what do you what so what's happening in that year while you're getting so you're not going to school? No, I'm not going to school. I wasn't. I like, can't work because because yeah. I think the thing people don't realize is you feel very tired. You don't want to move. You kind of just like whatever. And I remember when you go through chemotherapy. And if you if you guys remember that movie with Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon Levitt called Fifty Fifty, and it was like him yeah, having yeah. it's. Pretty much exactly that. Like a lot of the sentiments that he went through, I'm like, fuck, I fucking understand you, asshole. Even though you really don't have cancer, I understand <laughs> you. Like I fucking get it. Like you're a really great actor, looking like you have cancer. Um, but there's that. So you get in this room, and I think they showed it in the movie where like everyone looks really just sad and miserable. Thank God, like I was kind of like upbeat, and I just could always always just make jokes with the nurses and stuff. But it is that situation. But yeah, I was going through chemotherapy for a year, and like you said at the at. In between that, you know, I don't, I didn't work. I didn't go to school. Like, I don't have energy for that shit. So, you know, you, you, I, I went through chemotherapy. Each session is a good four hours. So you would sit there for four hours with a fucking vein in you for four hours. And then you would go home and then that'd be it. And I went twice a week, Monday and Thursdays. And uh, it was that for a whole year. And, and this may sound like an insensitive question, but at that time you're not working. Is that something where you're, did your ig account go dark were you like not posting anything did that give you like time to think about like because we do know what happened after which and that's what i do know is that there's an amazing creative direction that there's a vision that eli uses this word clarity in our content constantly and i don't think he started saying that until he was able to see accounts like yours that was able to show Mm -hmm. that level of clarity so at what point are you thinking about your future and is Instagram the future? And when do you, when do you put those two things together? Like this is, I think for me, when I was going through all that, I actually was posting photos. Like I said, if people had followed me for a long time, they would see photos of me like in the chemo chair, like, Hey guys, here I am. Um, I want to say, actually, now that I think about it, that was probably one of the first few photos, like I said, that I had just, um, I think, at a point, I deleted everything, and then I just started from scratch. And those photos that I sent you of me in undergoing chemo, those are the first few that I remember really starting back up again. And I, yeah, I remember sitting there, like you know, I was sitting on the chair, and I had I had a student loan that was like nearly hundred grand that I had to deal with, and I wasn't working. And the, here's a here's a double edged sword that I kind of don't understand about the government so if i had worked i wouldn't have been approved for this treatment jesus because you basically have to be poor and like fucking no income in order for you to just basically get hey free free chemotherapy which is obviously like government paid but like in order for me to qualify i couldn't make a dime and if i did make a dime i'd basically have to make i think they said like under 300 a month which is like what is the point right now so it's like it's so little incentive to actually go work while exactly. you do this. So I was like, well, what's the point? Well, because also the chemo and the operations, I'm assuming this is this is like seven figures worth of medical treatment. Yeah, or no, like, for sure. That would I, just that's take your student loan, multiply it by 10, and that's what you would have need to come up with, even if you did find a career or a job that you were like working on. Like, what's the net? Like, uh, I, Dude, I just got to say, like, that's brave as fuck. Like, I... 
just tr- like imagine a day where I just feel downtrodden because I stubbed my toe, right? I'm like, Dude, why, why do I even post on Instagram? Like, what's the fucking point? I'm just going to stub my toe again. Like, and then to hear that you're like thinking about this, like this, you still want to post to whatever social media you're doing at the time. That's fucking tight, dude. Like, I can't stress that enough for people at home. Like, you think things are challenging? Like, take stock of what you have and things could be worse. And so, uh, I will say that it was nice though, because when I did post, people would message me like, you know, oh, my aunt's going through this or my mom or even my dog. And I'm like, you know, I'm so sorry. But like, it was nice because it was a different way at the time for me to connect with my whatever audience I had. And they would always see obviously send like really nice messages and it was nice to like read when I was sitting there and stuff so that was always something I appreciated but I think when I was sitting there I would just think about like okay what am I gonna do like you know I don't have my dental hygiene career and it was one of those things where when you went to that school if you failed like that was like bye like that was pretty much it because it's a private school a lot of schools are like that's harsh man yeah so it was like I don't know what to do now what do I do with my life and that's when I just kept posting so take me to the day where that good news comes, because it got to be that day. Cancer free? Yes, please. Um, I yeah, I mean, so when you're going through can- uh, chemo, you know, you have to go through all these like uh, CT scans and stuff to make sure when they scan you, there's no cancerous um, lesions or whatever. So yeah, it, it happened like I swear, nearly a year after I first started treatment. Obviously, I'm ecstatic. I'm over the moon. Like, oh, thank God. And at the same time. When you're thinking, thank God, you're like, oh, what do I do now? Like, that was also in the back of my mind because now you're still living. You're still having a normal life after this. And they consider you cancer-free because cancer isn't really curable, but at the same time it is. Like, if you don't have it, if you finish treatment today and if you are don't have any remissions, like, get coming back within a five-year period, they say you're pretty much good to go. And it's just dependent on within that five years, how are you going to take care of yourself? Are you going to still keep drinking? Are you still going to keep smoking? Are you going to still do this and that? Because there are many reasons why cancer happens. I mean, those are the biggest factors, smoking and drinking. But if you're eating a lot of fried foods, a lot of barbecued foods, like, that's not good for you, obviously. And nothing that tastes good, let's be real, is not good for you. I'm going to say that. but Except pomegranates. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell oh, me something bad about anti- pomegranates. That, I those fucking dare you. <laughs> I dare you. But, um, but yeah, no, I got the news, and I was ecstatic, and it was more like, okay, now... I obviously went home. I celebrated. That was the best, probably the best news at the time in my life. Like, oh my god! I what got did you this. eat? I had In and Out. My <laughs> guy. <laughs> Woo! I was literally because my hospital's Fountain Valley uh, in Fountain Valley, and I remember just exiting and like, let's get In and Out. And actually, it's so funny. I being in the car, I got so it was like a two minute car ride. I got car sick immediately <laughs> because I'm not. I wasn't used to it. Yeah. I was like not used to it, and then I had all these toxins running in me, so I was like, "Oh, this sucks." But yeah, I went in and out, had my double double fries, well done, you know. Walk me through the moment where Instagram is the future, and you've decided it. What happened between then and when you were going? This is my vision, and the vision is food and Instagram, and in my aesthetic, and I'm going to bring. I don't know if the tablecloth was first, but. <laughs> And then the deciding factors of what your style is going to be, like walk me, walk us through that because it seems like this was, cancer was a catalyst for obviously your life to shift in a crazy way. Yeah. And then you capitalized on that shift. And I'm curious about like what brought you to that. I think at the time I was at home and obviously, you know, I was recovering and 
I think at that point, like six months had passed and then a year had passed. And I was like, well, I'm not really doing my life. Like, what do I do? And so um, I actually was a dental assistant prior to everything. So I was like, oh, maybe I should just like work as a dental assistant to just like figure things out. So I did that for a good like a few months. And then I was you know, my Instagram was really starting to really take off. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I was hitting like 30,000, 40,000. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And at the time... What was on your page? 30,000, 40,000. That's big. Those like are big numbers. Was? No, like what What content was oh, on your Instagram Oh, it was Instagram food, page? but it was like... It, it was food. Like, so you were food it, with Michael at that point? No. <laughs> so this is the, the OG, if you had followed <laughs> me since day one, it was like that bad AOL screening that you fucking used to instant message people. Screen 5962. Like, yeah, exactly. Whatever. Wait, what was it? Mine was Dental Gamer. So, <laughs> yeah, hear, hear me beautiful, out. The reason beautiful. why is dental, obviously being in the dental field, but then gamer, but I was clever and spelled gay with the Y. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my OG username, and um, you had 30, 40, 40,000 followers that was the, the dental, dental game. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. And I remember it, but um, so yeah, I was posting just random foods, and I just remember, um, you know, being in the industry, you would meet like blah 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 owners and whatever else so i met the owners of this little macaron shop called honey and butter and we eventually just became friends and we were really like close at one point and so they were they were, it was just them a husband and wife they were making macarons they were selling it every fucking day for like at the time when i knew them like two three months in and they were popping off too because they had started making those little character ones that look like blah 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 and this person and that character it's placing costa mesa over near the beach right right at the lab the lab so yeah. and they were just in this little airstream they would be they were an at-home business and they would make their macarons at home which is totally you can i guess do that and then you you bring it to the shop and it was okay because one it was prepackaged, and two it was in a refrigerated like uh, container so they would sell it and at that point, they were kind of overwhelmed. And I was really hating, like, being... A, a, when you're an assistant, you're literally someone's bitch. Like, it sucks. So I was like, this fucking sucks. Sorry. Um, this fucking sucks. I had to... Um. <laughs> you looked at Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, so I was like, you know, I was like telling like, hey, I kind of hate my job. Like, you guys are looking for someone. Like, why don't we just, like, I'll just work for you for temporary... At the time, it was temporary. I was like, I'll just work for you for a little bit and see how this goes. Ended up working there, and that, I think, was the free part. The freeing part was because when you're working as an office or even a dental assistant, you have these hours, 8 to 5, you have to be here Monday through Friday. And it kind of sucked because I was like, dang, I can't do, like, fun things. And at that point, I wanted to do photos for food. And being at Honey and Butter, I was only there from, like, 10 to 3 every day. And or Monday through Friday, and like I could do things after, and I was like, okay, cool. So in between, like working there, I would just go go here and go there and take photos of you know afters, and I went to fucking I don't know Del Taco yeah. and shit like that. <laughs> Welcome Del Taco. Um, <laughs> so I would just do these random photo shoots, and eventually, as interesting enough, Honey and Butter became big. I became big with it because they were getting traction. Um, based on their little cute macarons and because more and more people were coming and they're mainly foodies that were, were you taking in. their pictures no they were but okay. because i got there were a lot of frequent visitors of foodies they would figure out like oh and i changed my name to food with michael and like oh you're a food guy and then i i kind of built a following with them at the same time and so as theirs grew mine grew with them and then it kind of just got to a point where it, mine started really 
taking off because I was taking all these food. I went to all these events, took whatever food I could and just posted it. And let me just say this. At the time, too, I was posting three times a fucking day, which is so difficult. Were you Original the, content. You were under the impression that that was what Great. you needed to do. Right, right, okay. right. Which now it's not the case. But yeah, at the time, I was taking all the photos by myself and I was doing original content and I was posting three times a day, which is so, so crazy. So you're posting a thousand times a year. Well, at the time, it was a shorter time frame. It was like okay. three months. And then I got tired and I was like, oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> Fuck. So as my Instagram started taking off, I was like, you know, this work thing, like, I don't know what, like, should I stick with it? Like Instagram is, at the time, Instagram is really popping off. And I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to jump on this bandwagon while it's really hot and really see what I can do with it. And I was like, okay. So then I stopped working at Honey and Butter. Did you have a check yet from anything that you've done on Instagram at this point? Like, had you made any money from Instagram? From Instagram, the company? No, but from, like, brand deals, of course. Of course not from Instagram, yeah, bro. Almost. They don't pay anybody. Yeah, they're like... Pay up. <laughs> no, that's what I mean, because I think a lot of the people have questions about... How? How to make money on Instagram. Right. And curious, like, what what's the first check look like? Doesn't he... Like, where does it come from? How do you get it? How many followers do you need to have... To make money. To make money, to feel confident enough to quit your job? I mean, at that time... When, by the way, when I quit, I was at... 75,000, 80,000. And that, by the way, oddly, it, it is and it isn't enough because it is because that is a huge number. Sure. But it isn't because at the same time, everyone else was actually growing too. You guys are growing. I think um, Try to Die and a few others were like also growing in Los Angeles East and stuff like that. And so it was hard to also compete against that. But I left my job. I was I was broke for like four five months straight on like i was missing car payments i was gonna get repoed eventually like it was really bad and i was a little regret i was like i left stability you know i left this honey and butter job which obviously didn't pay a lot but it helped me pay my bills and it was stability though that was the biggest thing that people i think when they try to do this as a career they get very fearful because it's they're leaving stability so i think as my instagram started popping off more and more and more you know eventually brand deals would come in. Like, hey, you know, Starbucks would be like, hey, you know, would you like to post about a new drink? We'll pay X amount of dollars. And whether or not you accepted $20 or $2,000, that was really up to you as a person. Like, do you think the work was worth it for posting a photo, as they call it, for $20 or $2,000? Sometimes it would be worth it. Like, sometimes I would look at things and I'd be like, oh, this I could do this for $50. And because at the time when you have zero money, Everything sounds great. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, $10? Totally do it. Thank you, Burger King. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you just take whatever you wanted. But eventually, as obviously it kept growing, like, you would get the bigger brand deals. Sometimes you'd get, like, calm trips and you'd have to do tourism trips and stuff. Sometimes you get really big deals with, like, Baskin Robbins or Oreos or whatever else. And that helped pay the bills. As far as being stable, you know, it's you got to realize being in this industry it's kind of weird because it's not all the time like i don't get brand deals all the time but being where i'm at yeah i get it more and more probably than others but at the time like i didn't get it all the time you have a lot of young followers too i bet i do it's uh, mainly a lot of college students i want to say mm -hmm. a lot of mid 20 or early 20s and mid 20s so a lot of college students so you know that's mainly my audience i feel I think it's important too because I was I was at the gym. A lot of weird shit happens to me at the gym. But these kids walked up and they they recognized me and they were like, "Hey, like, like what you do? I follow you on Instagram." Like, and the second thing that they said, they're in high school. Second thing they said was like, 
you must be you must make seven hundred thousand dollars a month because we have roughly seven hundred thousand followers on Instagram. They had no they had, they don't know anything else about the business. Right. They just follow us on Instagram, right? They don't right. know that our Facebook has five million followers. They don't know that we have a website that right. a million people come to a month. And I was like, that's not. I didn't say that. Like we're on a basketball court. The first I go, I didn't say that I made that much money. And they're like, what do you mean? You have seven hundred thousand followers. That's crazy. And I'm like, you don't get a dollar for every, for every follower you yeah. have a month. And I just think it's really important that people know that just because you have, just because you see someone have a quote unquote audience or a followership online, that doesn't equate to money. There's so much more that goes Involved, into stuff. Yeah. Sometimes there's so much less that goes into it, frankly. I'm not trying to build this up to anything more than what it is, but. I mean, you quit your job. You had seventy-five thousand followers, and you weren't making anything. Uh, yeah, I was making. I was making anything for a good four months, and if I was, it was very minuscule, like a hundred bucks here, fifty bucks there, and it was like barely enough to cover. I think the biggest thing I had to cover was my phone because that was something I needed because <laughs> something I was working with. You know, I had to pay the phone. Did it come down to like looking at two bills, your car payment, exactly that, or your exactly phone that. payment? It was exactly that. But of course, the phone came first because it was my job that I needed, and um, I, I I will agree. I think people have this perception that if you have x amount of followers you are quote unquote like living the life and you're really rich and i'm like that's not how it really works but i don't think people that's the thing that people don't understand if you're not an industry you don't understand what it's like um so you know as far as brand deal goes brand deals go i think brand deals can come and go based on Obviously, the amount of followers you have, but a lot of it for me, when it comes through, they just send me an email like, hey, do you want to do one with, you know, Oreo or do you want to do one with, you know, Dunkin Donuts? So it just depends, I think. So talk about your business because you actually have diversified beyond brand deals. Like you don't live and die by how many brand deals come in a month. I'm sure it's nice. I saw that Talenti plug. (laughs) And I want to know what you're going to see one coming through with Sour Patch. Don't worry. Shut the fuck up, bro. I like Sour Patch. All right, dog. Fist bump. I like it. Yeah, right. But I think it's curious. Like you also run accounts for restaurants. Right, right. And that's a a nice business to have. I think people, you found your skill set and you found how to translate that into business beyond just followership. So talk about that. Um, Yeah, so I run, oh God, probably at my peak, I was at like 18 different like restaurants by yourself no 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 i had i had a whole Um, squad yeah so i had 18 like accounts all across orange county in la and eventually things kind of started slowing down and that's that's just the way the business has been but um yeah it was manipulating what i had learned from my account and be like oh i'm gonna run like blah 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 cafe and try to emulate what i have on my success to yours and basically push it but then the incentive was well not only that i would help push it on my page sure. to help draw traction to you and then bring others that i knew that i could bring by and they could take photos as well and post in their pages and basically replicate that across the board so that's definitely helped me survive outside of just like hoping for brand deals to come in because you know brand deals aren't Every day, they're not. It's like an acting kid. You just kind of get one, and every like other. You get so. what you get. Sometimes right. it's great. Sometimes it pays the bills a little bit. Right. <laughs> so that's the case. But in this case, with running accounts, yeah, that helped me really have a consistent income. Now, like I said, it does vary because some accounts are like, oh, we probably don't need any more or whatever. So now I'm down to like maybe eight or nine, but um, it's still 
I still live comfortably. I'm very happy at where things are. I had this $100,000 student loan debt that's gone now. Nice. You know, Congrats. that's amazing. That's student huge. loans are the worst, by the way. Don't ever get fucking student loan. It fucking sucks ass. Sally Mae, Naviat, and Arvolo, they fucking suck. <laughs> I'm sorry, they fucking suck. They hound you like a shark. It's fucking annoying, but it is what it is. But, you know, if you want to pursue education, I don't, I don't knock that either. We talked about misconceptions related to brand deals. I want to talk about misconception of what your life is. Mm. Because I feel for the average person who only sees photo perfection, interesting Instagram stories, you know, and they and they look at their own life of school, hardship, family, whatever they're going through, myself included, as when I'm not looking at food beats, when I'm just looking as Jeff, right? How much of your minute by minute life is related to the platform that you speak to and how much of it is not on there and because i honestly don't know like michael from it could be 10 percent of your life from the amount of time you're spending gathering photos talking to clientele getting original content it could be 95 percent of your life because we know how much it takes to figure out well what's IG story content going to be for that day is that going to translate over to the our our, fa- our Facebook story what's going in feed in comparison to what are we editing on the video production side so what is that for you what's the balance for you and is there a piece of yourself that's never on IG that's not on IG that you kind of keep personal personal and private I will say the biggest misconception is I think it's comical that everyone assumes that what I'm posting, whether it's, you know, ice cream or this tray of Shake Shack burgers, everyone thinks I'm eating alone. I don't know what that's about, but they're like, how do you finish all that food? (laughs) And I'm like, but I'm with like five, like when I have a a tray of burgers, I'm like, I'm with like five other people. Like, I don't understand why people think I'm just going around town, just fucking eating alone. I'm like, that's not, I don't, I'm not a loser. The hell? Like, jeez. So like, I just think it's comical that I'm like, I'm always eating with some, whether it's one person or three others, like I'm always eating with someone. So I think that also correlates with the next question. How are you not fucking fat? And I'm like, well, like it's about portion control. Like I don't eat everything. Like I eat it. Don't get me wrong, I definitely tried things and this and that, but like, it's hard for me to have, like, especially when it's a full day of like shooting. Like, I can't eat every fucking thing. Well, it's not sexy to tell people that you share all your food. I mean, the way that we make fun of like fashion Instagrammers and IG models, like, we're doing the same shit just in food. Like, we're, we're building up this narrative. We're, putting all this work into one beautiful photo and and then when they go to halal guys they're like yo you slop this shit down i saw it on food with michael shit all the fries were perfect the sauce is right it's like seeing an ig model in real life like damn you know your skin's not glowing your hair's not floating through the air Face like tune. i'm a real person and we make food feel unrealistic sometimes yeah we- i definitely understand especially with when you say fashion and even beauty like there's a lot of facetune like People like in that industry use Facetune. They they make their legs look longer. They remove these like little like maybe a pimple or imperfections or wrinkles, and they'll they'll move it out. So I definitely understand what you mean by that. But in terms of like trying to, what's the word? I don't even know what you're trying to say, so I can't <laughs> even help. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, sorry. Um, I kind of lost the train of thought we were talking about. We're talking about IG models. No, you were asking a question. 
Oh, well, about my real life. Um, yeah, I think that biggest, biggest misconception is that people think of eating it alone or they don't understand. Like, I think it's interesting, well, too. People are like, well, like, I always ask people, like, don't you eat, too? Like, what, I, what I'm eating on my Instagram is, like, what I'm just eating on a normal basis. So, right? okay, that's really interesting. So, f- the stuff that's hitting your feed, I know you're actually eating it. But I think my question, and maybe this is, needs to be better framed, but maybe mentally day to day when you wake up how much of your life is positioned for instagram versus not so how much of your social life is built for content versus this is built for me or vice versa because i think you know you mentioned it you almost it feels like you've shaped your life right like i'm not eating alone i'm eating with other people and gathering content and those people are influencers and it might be my restaurant that I represent, right. that we're all hanging out at, how much of that on a day-to-day basis is built around IG versus, you know, Eli and I play soccer but you don't tonight. And like, it's, we don't gram that at all. And it's good for our camaraderie at work, but it's literally not for work at all. It's, it's meant for us to have something, I think, outside of work to give us kind of that sanity. As someone in social media, do you have... Do you feel like you have a healthy relationship with social media or do you feel like it could be better? That is a very good question. But I understand. Because I ask myself that all the fucking time and I don't, I don't even know if that's what you were trying to ask, Jeff. But that's how I think about that shit on the daily. It's definitely, I think it's hard because like social media is also my life, but also my work. Like, right. I treat it both in the same. It's hard to really separate the two. I understand when you're saying like, oh, when we go play soccer, like it's something that we don't really gram. It's something for me in that case. I probably story it, but at, at the <laughs> so you are thinking about it. Yeah. For me, yeah. it doesn't. I've 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 gotten better to the point where I feel like I don't need to talk about this part of it. And I've actually, I mean, I did a a thirty day social media cleanse, cleanse, and I loved it. You know, and you hear all these people who like they go to Burning Man for a week and their endorphins are high because they took two days off and now the third day they finally kick in and they notice how attached they were to social media. And it crosses my mind all the time is if I wasn't doing the kind of work that I'm in, working at Food Beast, I wouldn't have a fucking Facebook. Right. Like Facebook does provide a value in that like it allows me to communicate. We schedule our soccer uh, matches every week on Facebook. I feel like it would be a little bit more challenging to not do that. I could have, I could work at it and have a big group chat, but I wouldn't be on Facebook. I think I might not be on Instagram either. I, I like it, but I feel like my work has created a need for me to be on there. I I justify being on it at late hours. I justify being on it with friends and family because I get bonus points for work. Okay. What if I miss something news related? And that's an, I don't even think I'm special in that, right? I think people now feel that way and they might not, they might be a dental hygienist and they're just like, I, I feel the need to share. I feel the need to get social currency and social points this is a big can of worms to open but it's so important as a social media entrepreneur and people that are looking to get into it is like establishing a healthy balance and utilizing tools this is forcing me to get off my ass and actually write some tools for people to healthily engage 
with social media because it is an unhealthy balance and you're starting to see that. Yeah, I think for me, I I realized that it's hard for me to not post all the time because you also want to post to let people know you're alive in a sense because if you don't post, you're kind of considered irrelevant and then they just kind of unfollow you. And it, it, that's, that's the balance. Cra- that's a crazy right. cycle. And but that's it, the balance. It is. So there are certain aspects that I don't show, probably like my home life, I don't really show much of. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that I do show is just me just going out. Like literally we're going out to eat here and there. And maybe we're going to the movies to check out like the latest whatever Avengers or whatever it's like the really hype movies so it those things I do snap but like or do story and and post but like I don't I have to constantly check too because it's not just my Instagram I have to check my clients Instagram to make sure the messages are answered to make sure their comments and blah 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 so it it does suck on that part because I have to be on my phone there's no like there's no justification in a sense because I can't ignore what they're paying me for because I have to answer these questions. Can you get better? I can probably get better. I mean, I can definitely not answer at like 2 a.m. like I did last night with you. I was on the phone (laughs) and I was answering messages too. But like those moments, yeah, I could probably like shut off at like 10, you know. And that's, that's what I was trying to accomplish during my 30 days. Like, can I learn how to compartmentalize social media into work versus casual perusal and enjoyment because it is fun well especially because from where i sit i mean for the most part both you eli and michael are social media gods of a certain sense i mean you you lead i mean well you lead the content direction for six million followers of ours so and which is why i feel lucky to have you because as at least the you two know, like I take a real big backseat mm-hmm. to social media. Like I don't promote this podcast on social media, even though it's probably the favorite thing I do every week. I very don't do in feed posts. I don't do in feed anything across any social media. You have media such channel. a unique, interesting. And social so, like media that's strategy. that's what's interesting. I find this part of the conversation interesting to me because that balance for me is whenever I'm on it, it's pretty much for the most part for work. There are there's casual perusing for sure, but I've like completely distanced myself personally because of how I don't like who I am when I'm spending a lot of time when I don't have to be. And because we spend so much time at work, like all I want to do is be out there. Sure, yeah, I want to be outside. I want to be out there. I want to be with people. And I and I and that screen is like a is it can be a really damaging thing for me. I'm not saying that's for everybody. Right. I think we owe it to ourselves as people who interact with it a lot, who have a business built on it. I mean, I had guilt when we do, when I did my 30 day cleanse, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't go to my partners at Food Beast and be like, hey guys, kind of a big deal here. Uh, Our main source of revenue, I'm not going to touch it for 30 days. But like, I got the support to do it because I think long term, if we don't figure out how to work within it, we're all fucked. Like, everybody, look outside. And everyone's craned down looking at their phone. I don't want to villainize Facebook, YouTube. I think they're great. I think Facebook as a platform to connect with people, 
I think Facebook is a platform to watch video. Go to watch. I like that they actually created a watch platform because it's like I can now go to Facebook and watch shows because I understand how to do that and I've done that for years. I feel in a healthy capacity somewhat. Like I can go and watch uh, Going In on Food Beast. I can go watch uh, Ball in the Family, right? I can go and that's – I feel that's okay. When I did my social media cleanse, I actually used YouTube. I really liked YouTube because I can go, I access an individual video, I search it out, I get it. It does have this networking effect where you now sit because you're like being recommended the next video. But I think there are ways, and there's a lot of questions we ask ourselves as people in social media all the time, like, well, if I don't fucking post, like no one knows I'm alive. Oh my God, like, well, social media is like acting. If I'm not in movies and shows, I'm not relevant. I think you can compartmentalize your social media into an hour. A day. I think if you did it right, I think you could do it. Yeah, of course. I think that's definitely possible. But there's also that sense of if you don't post, like, let's say five days, you're kind of thrown into this different algorithm, quote unquote, that will basically not make prioritize you, your content. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a little of a scary thing, too. It's tough. It's definitely, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I've seen successes on both ends. I've seen success of people who post every fucking day, every hour, crazy successful. I've seen people who post three times a week extreme clarity in their content with truthfulness with their audience and that person he or she knows hey guys i'm gonna post on monday wednesday and friday you can expect me periodically on instagram and you can build that rapport with your audience i think it's just building a rapport with your audience and how they so if they expect you every day and then you drop off that's when you're gonna see some some hits but if they expect you three times a week you've kind of built that relationship you're gonna see me three days a week you're not worried if you don't see me on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You expect my content Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know. I think we can get there. Yeah, but I also feel like, too, if you aren't posting every day as well, brand deals don't want to work with you because they're like, oh, he's not active. Like, why the hell are we going to pay blah, blah, blah to post about, you know, McDonald's or whatever? I'm not saying never post on social media. I'm no, saying build a schedule. Absence, I, think, I, think. I think the big thing here is that there's a, there's a pretty big difference, I would say, for the average listener to the catch-up podcast or the average consumer who looks at food beast media and digest food beast media and the people in this room who without social media our lives would be drastically different yeah. financially sure. time-wise like so everyone i think has their own balance it's really in, that balance though is really interesting when it's like people like us right when we have when we're going to be on these platforms because we're creating original content as part of our business model with mm -hmm. these platforms. And I think to Michael's point, when, when Instagram shifts from timeline to algorithmic feeds, right? There's so much like out of your control that if you don't see what other people are doing or how people or, or how content is reacting, are you a step behind? Yeah, you could be. But that's where you still need to find your own balance of if you're on the platform every day, is that enough? Probably. Mm -hmm. Like, does it need to be six hours a day? Like, probably not. But all, it all just depends because situationally, like, I don't know what your contracts are for your restaurant of what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And if that's what it dictates, like, that's what you got to do. And there's a lot of people being really successful being on a computer and being on a phone all fucking day. That's just not personally the life I want to live, even though I'm involved in the digital ecosystem. Like I'm going to hardline push away because 
that's the balance that I need, but mm-hmm. that's for me. Everyone, find your balance. I think that's important. Whatever yeah. you're doing, you can find your balance. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Dude, Michael, your 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 comeback story. Yeah, bro. That's uh, yeah. It, it also provides so much context because you just you just don't know, like when you don't know you don't know. Yeah, I think you know? I think generally no one really knows. Like I haven't like it's just hard. Like I said, it's hard to just be like, hey, I have this story. Like it's not something I want to talk about during dinner, especially when I'm meeting people for the first time. So even with my closer friends, like a lot of them I haven't told just because I'm like. How do you ex- how exactly do you bring that part up? Do you, unless you have someone that's going through it in your life or your life, like hey, my dad or my mom or whatever. I'm like, don't worry, it's gonna be fine. I went through it and it's fine. But you know, it is hard. So I think there is that when I do meet people, they don't they don't know. One ever realizes it. Just like holy shit, are you serious? Then I show them my scars. I'm like holy fuck, that's fucking insane. And yeah. like you know, it's a golf, like literally, it was a that's giant crazy. golf ball on the side of my neck. Well, I'm really, really happy and fortunate to just have you with us, Mike. Oh, thank you for having me. Before you close, before you close, I'm not Michael, close, <laughs> what is the question now? I'll get him. What are the most overhyped foods? Go. <laughs> These more spicy dog Yo, on your Instagram, yeah, by the yeah. way. What are the most overhyped foods? Overhyped Go. foods? Gosh. Like, as as a... F- what, however you want to answer the just question. Just answer the damn question, just, Mike. It could, Okay, so I mean, it's not necessarily overhyped, but I did view like Groundhouse made this like really weird burger, which I it debuts like next week or some shit. But it's like okay, what's Groundhouse? People aren't oh, gonna know. Oh, so spot. people that don't know Groundhouse, I mean, they I guess they're trying to be like a really hip. I don't know what their concept is, but I, I assume that it's more like they're trying to be a really hip burger. However, I kind of think that this burger that they launched is kind of like, okay, this is a little too much even for me. Whether or not it's good, whether or not it's good, there's a certain line of things looking good for Instagram and things tasting good. A lot of the things that I think are posted are just for the gram, really. So Groundhouse is a burger shop, just typical, like you order this burger and that burger, you have fries and I think onion rings and whatever else, but they created this burger, which I found, and they I saw the video yesterday. They launched it. It was like, so they there's this there's been this weird craze back then with like rainbow bagels. You remember like right. the different yeah. swirls? Yeah, we've covered a good amount of rainbow <laughs> content in our history. So they took the rainbow bagel, then they made that as the bun, which I, guys, I it's something called a magical burger. It's Whoa. at this place called Groundhouse Burger, and it's. A rainbow bagel. There seems to be sprinkles and marshmallows all over it. There's like three patties with cheese. How do you feel, Michael? So I can't imagine anyone, first of all, finishing this. If you finish it, oh my God, good job. But secondly, like that's a lot of shit going on. First of all, I think those rainbow bagels don't taste like anything. It's just a dye. Yeah, it's just a dye. They don't actually have a flavor. So there's that. And then secondly, there's like what three four patties in there which they're pretty giant patties then you got like i think they said three cheeses then sauces then for some reason they just yeah, to seen add sprinkles, sprinkles and marshmallows and fucking marshmallows and i'm just like wait is it like supposed to be like a sweet and savory like type shit that's the newest one i've seen that i'm like okay i don't know how i feel about that one and it debuts next week and yeah i'm probably gonna take a photo of it but <laughs> i such a, that's exactly that's horror definition you're going to go take a i'm photo probably gonna go it. take a photo of it but at the same time i'm just like i can't imagine eating this damn thing so you're gonna try it though 
I do want to try, but I I'm still trying to understand this concept of fucking marshmallows and spring. I really don't get it. You got to try it once. Oh, that's so it's too, so try hard to me. It's a little try hardy. This just one sprinkle. Is yeah. Okay. This is like let's make burger like, noise. How can I do something over the top? A line with rainbow bagels plus savory burgers plus. Plus, 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 plus. Which I kind of thought was interesting because I felt like that rainbow bagel was kind of like a few years back. So it's kind of interesting that they're bringing that back and trying to incorporate that into today's, I guess, time. But I, I feel like the, the marshmallows was definitely overkill and the sprinkles, which I was like. So that's that's rubbing your britches the wrong way. This, <laughs> yeah. This fucking burger. I, <laughs> of all the things we have to talk about. There is, I mean, there's definitely overhyped foods and then there's food that live up to the hype i think you know give that, me an example of that yeah give me one give me something that I our liked. audience should try that i actually liked i like helen rays i think helen rays is great have you been yeah i like it i like Hel- that you actually we all we all like it they're nobody's client they're nobody's it, client, but they're really they really bur- great yeah the great great fried chicken and the line goes on for two hours minimum every day maybe an hour and a half but you know they have a line they've had hype they've had hype for the past i want to say two years two plus years and but they're still killing it out of their little tiny fucking shop in fucking china far east china building or whatever it's called and <laughs> it's it's a great place to eat i think it's delicious and it looks great like it's very gram worthy it's all fried shit and it's spicy and who doesn't like spicy food in their mouth and and they delicious. just and within the last 30 days, I mean, that grilled, that brick grilled cheese. Oh, yeah. They did. Okay. It's awesome. I didn't, ha- I haven't had that yet. That looks hypey to me. Like, that looks like, I'm like, why did you guys make that? Okay, here's the thing. It looks, it definitely looks hypey. It's on brand, though. I like it. it it's hypey. It's on brand. And I just, I haven't had it. But a sandwich dipped in fried chicken seasonings and mm-hmm. having that crust on the outside and Yo, I'm pretty into that idea. I like it. Beautiful melty cheese. I what I like about this and what I sorry Andy, I, what I don't like about the fucking magical rainbow <laughs> unicorn shit poop burger <laughs> is that the Howland Ray's brick of cheese is super on brand. So what are people knowing Howland Ray's for? The very spicy, crusty uh part of their fried chicken they've incorporated that into a grilled Grilled cheese cheese. that looks good from what i've heard of our team who's tasted it it tastes really good i'm on board full board for that that's a really cool way to build some social media oh for sure like and it's worth it and it comes through on execution like it tastes good i would like to try it but i haven't had the chance and i always forget that they have it because i'm always like oh they're pretty new chicken yeah exactly so that's definitely but the, the this one needs to this needs to be there for a week and then like kind of like not be around because I assume this is going to be like one of those just hype things that they're just trying to build for Groundhouse. I would assume. Anyways, I would assume. I mean, do you guys have things that you want to say that's hypey? <laughs> this is about think, you right yeah, now. This is about you, no, I want to yeah, know what you no. guys think. Don't be turning that shit around me. I want to know what you guys think. Um, there be something that you guys. I think this podcast is going long. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking asshole! Yeah, I need to pee. Thank you guys for listening. listening. (laughs) This was the best clothes we've ever had. This is super good. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Shop.figuys.com. Bye, guys.